today's scripture reading uh, comes from Daniel chapter 2 as we continue our visions in the fire series in the book of Daniel. And uh, it will be from verses 1, and I'm going to read up to 23. I know it's a 23 verses, but please bear with me. Hear now the word of God. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to him, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. And the king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation." The Chaldeans answered the king and said, this is not a man, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or, enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree on the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek the mercy from the God of heaven and concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. This is the word of God. 
Uh, I mean, there was a lot there, but um, let's, uh, let's, let's pray for God to give us understanding and, and just uh, his word today. Father, we, we thank you so much for this uh, just afternoon to be here together and online virtually to worship you, to be able to hear your word, to know that it is true, to know that it is powerful. Lord, I pray that you be with me, that I would not get in the way of your word, and that it would be good and encouraging for your church as we are transformed by them day after day. We ask of this to you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we are in Daniel chapter 2, and, uh, you know, just a quick context of where we're at. God's judgment over Israel for their disobedience and all the things that they have done, uh, God exiled them into Babylon. And it wasn't like a nice exile. It was a violent one. It was a takeover. It was a hostile siege. And um, not only did Babylon siege Jerusalem and take them back into their nation, but as Pastor Dave preached last week, they're inserting dominance as to, you know, we're going to take the brightest, best looking, the smartest, you know, people of, you know, Jerusalem and Israel, and we're going to inject our culture, we're going to re-educate them, and we're going to use all kinds of methods, whether it's temptations or threats, you know, whatever it takes, but uh, we're going to show them who has the superior culture, right? Um, and, you know, the way Daniel 1 ends is this vague summary of kind of, you know, without the juicy spoilers of what's to come. And Daniel 1.19, this is towards the end, this is what it reads. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. So you kind of get, you know, in the movies, when you watch sometimes, they kind of show you the ending, a glimpse of the ending, but you're like, how did it get there? And in the end of chapter one, we kind of get it. Okay, okay, so Daniel and his three friends, wow, they were set apart. They were not just a little bit wiser, but 10 times wiser. And it wasn't once or sometimes, but he said, all matters. And then here we are in chapter 2. Daniel and his friends are about three years into their training and education and, and, uh, and, and learning the ways of Babylon, learning the language, all the things that are there. And King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and it's bothering him. And he feels like there's a significance to this dream, and he wants to figure this out. So what does he do? He, ca- he gathers and calls for all the bright minds of Babylon. Not, 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 you know, not from Israel, but you know, his own people. And he gathers the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and you see Chaldeans. Well, Chaldeans as a group of people, they were the southern people of Babylon, uh, but you know, the Chaldeans also, they were really smart and they were really good fighters. And actually, Babylon's kings were from, you know, they were Chaldeans. So eventually, they were just kind of referred to as Chaldeans, all the people of Babylon. But in this case, it's like a social class. It's like a very particular elite class of really smart, uh, the, the cream of the crop people. And, uh, and the kind of Chaldeans that King Nebuchadnezzar probably called were the soothsayers. 
And basically what they would do is they would try to look into your future by reading the stars. So they were like into astrology. And, you know, what's really interesting is he gathers all these brightest minds all together and he says, interpret my dream. And this sounds very familiar, whether it was the Pharaoh, you know, with Joseph, and uh, whether it was Joseph talking about his dreams to his brothers and his father. But what's different here is the king says, not only do I want you guys to figure out and interpret my dream, but for you to qualify to interpret my dream, I'm not going to tell you what my dream was. You have to tell me what my dream was. So you have to start with, you have to let me know what my dream was, and I'm not going to tell you what it was, and then you have to interpret it. And if you can't do it, I will tear you from limb to limb and destroy your household. But if you can do it, I will bless you. I will, you know, I will honor you. I will reward you. And this is the chaos of today's text. What a predicament. Can you imagine someone saying, I dreamt something, but you tell me what I dreamt and then explain it to me. And, you know, let's just take a moment of what the king is asking here. And we can kind of feel the panic and the urgency of the Chaldeans, the way that they answered the king in verses 10 and 11. They said, this is, there is not a man who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. I would say that these wise men, the Chaldeans, they were pretty smart. They were pretty smart because they tried to reason with the king. They're like, king, it's, it's not that we can't do our job, but what you're asking is a little bit too much. Just, they asked the king three times, just, just tell us the dream, we'll help you get there, we'll interpret it, right? He's, they're trying to defend their competency, and they're trying to say, king, what you're asking is just, you can't ask something that no one can do. And, uh, you know, and after the third time, King Nebuchadnezzar gets furious. And his response is what? You know what? You guys are all useless because this is what I require. And if you can't do it, let's just, let's just wipe it all clean. Let's kill all these so-called wise men. Like, what are you guys doing? You guys work with the spiritual stuff. You read the stars, but you can't do this. Let's get rid of all of them. And when Daniel finds out about this decree, he seeks out Arioch, who is the captain of the king's guard, and he asks what is happening and why is this happening so quickly? What is the rush? Once he gathers the information, he requests for some extra time because he says, you know what? Uh, we might be able to do something. Then Daniel goes to his house, meets his three friends, and they pray to God. God reveals the dream in another dream and its interpretation, and Daniel gives thanks. And then uh, he goes to the king with the captain of the guard, and uh, this is what happens in our text. Now, you know, just imagine if you were one of those magicians, sorcerers, and like, this is your career. This is what you do. You get to work with the king and you do all of these things. And just imagine what it must feel like 
when your boss or your king gives you a task that cannot be done, and your life is literally at stake. I don't know if any of us ever have experienced something to that degree, but let's try to get there. Let's try to imagine that. And they're just begging, King, just give us an inch. Just tell us, maybe even a part of the dream, and we will do our best to interpret it. And what would it be? Even if the king did give them even a piece of the dream, it would only be a interpretation, a guess of what that dream would mean. It wouldn't be the interpretation, the truth of that dream. And uh, when we take a look at Daniel and see how he deals with this really chaotic situation, uh, and he wasn't even a part of it. He wasn't there at the council. He wasn't there in front of the king being like, I don't know, do you know? Do you guys know? I hope somebody knows. One of us, please, somebody know. Right? He wasn't even there. And now he, his life is called to be put to an end because those group of guys couldn't figure it out. What does he do? How does he respond? Well, number one, Daniel remained calm. Scripture says, with prudence and discretion, carefully and quietly, he gathered information from a reliable source, which was the captain. Right? He went to a reliable source, and he went and asking him questions. Why? So that he could have a good understanding of the situation. He wanted to understand why this was going on, why the king was this angry. And then he asks for a reasonable thing. He says, give me, give me a little bit of time. Let's create an appointment with the king. Just give me a little bit of time because I might be able to show the interpretation to the king. Why? Because Daniel knew somebody who does know. And then thirdly, with that time, with that extra time that was afforded to him because he requested it, what does he do? He goes home. He surrounds himself with the community that he needed, his friends. And they prayed for wisdom and mercy, not just for himself and his friends, but for the wise men of all the wise men of Babylon. And then God answers his prayer and he gives thanks. And then he confronts the situation directly. He goes to the king and he tells him his dream and interprets it. What Daniel did not do, and let's remember, he was 10 times smarter, right, than the next wisest guy. He did not panic. He did not make excuses, complain about how ridiculous this is and how he got pulled into it. He didn't do any of that. He didn't go to the crowd or to a big group of people and gossip about how the king was being, you know, just, just unfair and this, this, is, this is crazy. We need a revolution. He didn't do that. He didn't try to flee. Oh, he's going to kill us? Okay, can we have a little bit of time? Oh, thank you for that little bit of time. And then he tries to sneak out and run away. He didn't do that. When he was with his other wise friends, they didn't put their smart brains together to come up with a way that they can fix the situation themselves. Hey, guys, is there a way that we can guess the dream and guess the interpretation? 
No, they didn't take it into their own hands either. They did none of that. You know, church, how we respond in really chaotic moments, I think it really reveals a lot about ourselves. Right? You really want to see the heart of the core of someone, uh, see how they handle pressure and just really difficult situations. And it's not fun. It's not easy. And it's often not flattering. Um, in chaotic moments, are you the type that you feel like this always only happens to you? And you're like, God, again, why me? So in chaotic times, are you the one that's always like, why me and woe to me? God, why are you doing this to me? I know if I felt like that a couple of times. Or are you the type to shut down and just avoid as much as possible and just let time do its thing and kind of, you know, just lay in bed and just curl up or you stonewall. Right? Just, just no one talk to me. I, I don't want to deal with it. And you just shut down. Done that too a couple of times. Or are you the type to work your way around it? I'll figure it out. I'll do it. I'll, I'll fix this. And I know I've tried to do that as well. But what's really amazing is that Daniel is so different from any of these typical ways that we naturally respond and all the other wise men were responding. And the question isn't, okay, so that's how he did it. But I think the important thing is, why did he do it that way? Why? The what and how followed because of his why, his reason. The heroes in the book of Daniel is not Daniel and his three friends. Actually, if you look at the entire Bible or any book in the Bible, it's pointing to someone that is more than a hero. It leads us to a savior. Our aspirations should not be like to be, you know, you guys remember like in the 90s, Michael Jordan, be like Mike, right? The, the, the goal here is not be like Daniel, but to see who Daniel ran to in such chaotic moments like this. The guy who is 10 times wiser than the next wisest guy, who did he go to? The Babylonians thought that they handpicked Daniel and his three friends because they were so wise and talented. But what does Daniel 1.17 say? It says this, God gave them learning and skills in all literature and wisdom. The Babylonians thought it was just them, that they're just smart and they're just naturally this. But it was God. And Daniel and his friends knew this. They knew it came from God. And because they knew this, they lived by it. And this is why, even at the most chaotic times in their life, and there's many coming throughout the book of Daniel, they responded differently. Look at the way they gave thanks to God in Daniel 2, 20 to 23. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light 
dwells with him. They knew God is good. They knew God is eternal, wise, and powerful. You know all things. You move in all things. You reveal hidden things because God is the owner and distributor of wisdom. All the things that they have, all the good things that came from him, they knew this. They knew all of this even though they were not in their home nation, even though their nation laid in ruins, even though they're in a foreign place. They knew this. And they didn't cry out like the Israelites cried out in Exodus when they were like, God, you took us out of slavery in Egypt so that we would die out here in the wilderness. No, they didn't do that. Daniel and his friends did not have tunnel vision of who God really is based on the circumstances as major and dire as it seemed, but rather they responded to all sorts of chaotic moments grounded in their belief and their love of God. It wasn't based, you know, God is good if good things happen and then God is not so good or he's distant when bad things happen. No, they weren't wavering like that. Their belief and love of God and knowing that wisdom comes from him and that he can do all things, they were grounded even when the worst things were happening around them, even though they weren't involved in it. Church, if I told you that God was eternal, God is good, God is powerful, he is wise, he knows all things, would you be surprised? And the answer to that is if you grew up in the church, probably not. But the real question is, but do you live it out? Does it show when there's pressure in your life? Does it show when there's conflict and chaos in your life? Do you live according to what you claim to know and believe? I'm a car guy. And in cars, the engine makes the power by burning fuel and there's combustion, there's, there's heat, and it creates energy, and that energy has to go to the crankshaft and the drive shaft, and the drive shaft goes all the way on the bottom of the car, and it connects that to the axles and to the wheels, and that's how your car goes. I mean, that's a very simplified way. There's a lot more other things going on, but basically, that's how a car goes. But if you have a powerful engine, but you don't have a drive shaft, or you don't have tires, you're not going anywhere or you have really good tires in the crankshaft, but you don't have an engine pumping energy, you, you, you just, your car will just roll to whichever way the ground is tilted. You're not gonna drive anywhere. Is your wisdom and religion just knowledge? Or does it drive and have power in your life because you're, the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ? Are we like the magicians, the sorcerers, the astrologers, the soothsayers, in that we are merely professionals in this life who are trying to figure out and work out what is spiritual through our works alone? Spoiler alert, Daniel 2 says, we will fail too. Or are we driven with powerful visions and plans of God, not just for my welfare, but the welfare of the city as Daniel prayed for Babylon. You know, when Peter and his disciples, they were in a chaotic moment when, you guys remember, they were on a boat and there was a storm, right? And they saw Jesus walking on the water and they weren't, they thought it was a ghost. 
<laughs> they, didn't, they didn't think it was Jesus at first. But even with, oh, as soon as he spoke, they're like, is that, is that Jesus? And even with a little bit of like, huh? Peter was able to stand on water. Even with a little bit of faith, he was able to stand on water. And I'm not saying our goal is to be able to stand on water or save a group of wise men from death or withstand being thrown into a furnace or being in a den of hungry lions, all that coming soon and all of that. But our goal is to be faithful to God. And what sets us so apart from that time period and Daniel is this. Daniel knew that God was eternal, wise, and powerful and, you know, that he reveals the deep and hidden things. But back in Daniel... Um, you know, the Chaldeans say what? This is something that no one can do. Only a God, you know, they say the gods who do not dwell in the flesh. Well, you know what? They were smart or they were lucky, but they're right. But they weren't wise because they didn't know the one who would pay for the sins of the past, present, and future to take us off the hook of a greater problem. Like we kind of look at King Nebuchadnezzar is asking a ridiculous thing. Tell me my dream and interpret it. That's, that's a difficult task. Well, our God, our Father says, be holy. Love me with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love each other. I failed that very early in my life, and I failed that many times in my life. And I would say to God, God, that's impossible what you asked me to do. No one can do that, or no one in the flesh. And what does he do? He sends Jesus Christ in the flesh, but not of it, to die on the cross. Uh, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. Uh, and I'm going to, I want to close with this. If we truly believe in God, like Daniel and his friends did, you and I, if need be, can stand on water, stand in the fire, you know, get revealed these hidden dreams and the meanings, because God, who is sovereign, is with us. But we don't do it to say that we did those things. We do it because we believe in the one that we claim loves us and is with us. There are so many tensions right now, and I see it in our nation. And I see it in, in, in my friends, in my church members. And there's so much tension with the pandemic. It's chaotic. Who is going to be the president for the next four years? It's chaotic. But church, God's concern is with you. Are you praying? Are you trusting? Are you acting upon the wisdom and strength that God has proportioned to you? Or are we just being emotional and taking a side and being divisive? throughout the pandemic and the massive division, were you really worshiping, whether it was online or whether you're here? Were you praying for the welfare of your city and your nation? Not based on your views. And loving those around you and pursuing the Great Commission. Were you doing that during this chaotic pandemic and this whole political just charge that's in the air? And if your answer is no or not really, you're not alone. I struggle with it every day. But God continues 
to give us his word, his spirit, his mercy. And church, I want to say, if that's you, and if you're like me, let's ask him for forgiveness. Let's ask him for wisdom and strength right now as we face the chaos that's at our doorstep or the chaos that you've been in maybe since February or maybe even longer. Let's pray with our faith, with our mind, our spirit, our body, connected like the way that the car is so that it would function the way it's supposed to so that we can be driven to the calling and the purpose and the plans of God. While in all of this, every step of the way, church, the Holy Spirit is with you and with me. And that's a power unlike any. No king, no decree, no furnace, no sea can overcome. When we believe like Daniel did and we run to God, Will you pray with me? And before I close, I want to give you this time. How do you respond to chaos? Are you Mr. or Mrs. Fix-It? Do you shut down? Or do you complain and say it's not fair? I want to speak into that and say stop because God says you have me I am with you do you not see do you, do you not see the testimonies of Daniel I will reveal the mysterious things that no one else can reveal standing in a furnace so hot won't burn a hair a hungry beast in the den that you're with won't even lick his tongue looking at you. I got you. Will you come with me? Will you ask me for wisdom to know that I will give it? I lack, I have no shortage of it. But it does seem like there's a sole shortage of people who seek it church forgive father god we say forgive us for our lack of faith there's pieces disconnecting us from our head mind soul to our body and it's not working smoothly but lord we want to correct that right now you worked out the greatest chaos in all of humanity which was the wrath of god and death that followed but through the one who had none, no blame, you sacrificed him on the cross so that we may be in your presence. Your wrath dissolved. May we not be ashamed. May we not try to do it by our own will and power. May we not try to be smart our way. But may we have wisdom according to your instructions, 
trusting in your promises that we would lead our families, our church, our communities, our nation with the kind of authority, confidence, and power that Daniel had. To know that you have conquered the world and that you call us your sons and daughters. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And may we be able to pray the prayer that Daniel prayed, where we say, thanks be to God, who is eternal, powerful, good. All things come from you, who, who reveals the hidden things. And may we see transformation starting from my heart and outwards. That we don't let any chaos, pandemic, bad leadership, whatever, get in the way of us pursuing the mission of completing the Great Commission, Lord. And like Daniel, may the church be like the friends where we can go to pray together, get charged together, encouraged together to stand for you, Lord. May we be light. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Church, will you stand and let's respond to God together.